What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another DadCast. This is your host, Timon, on the DadCast. I'm here with the one and only guest on this podcast, my dad. What's up? Hey, Timon. How's it going? Pretty good. Since you uh, uncapped some really good beer, <laughs> yeah, you want to tell them what it is? Yeah, this beer is a special blend you'll well, never we're, get. We're drinking out of a glass. That's yeah, why we, we haven't opened it. Yeah, we, we opened it at... At our sink, <laughs> at my we opened it at my house in my sink, and there's a specific reason why we did that. It's because this beer is home brewed by the one and only Tim and Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess there's two of us, and um, <laughs> one and only Tim and Dad. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. brewed this beer, and um, it is a saison, mm-hmm. blueberry saison. We, uh, my wife, her grandparents have a blueberry field, and we went and picked it this summer squeeze these fresh blueberries into this beer and um it's exploding not only at my sink but with flavor yeah yeah, yeah you have to uncap it at your sink yeah because yeah but it's a uh, pretty good i don't know five percent maybe something like that um this is our we call it bs1 which is blueberry saison one or whatever else you want to call it mm-hmm. bs1 and bs2 will be coming here soon we made two different batches did two different type of brew types we're learning from these brewing exper- experiments, and then next year we'll refine the process even better. That's yep. the plan, at least. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. So yeah, not bad. Um, we were talking over water quality before we started the podcast. There's uh, some things we need to dial in with our water quality, which we may have dialed in with our next batch. So we'll see. Because the next batch is what we we got spring water from yeah. the from the hills. <laughs> yeah, spring water from the hills instead of. City from water from, from Goshen. Walmart. Yeah, it's, it's spring, it's, we got spring water from the hills instead of city water from Goshen. So, yeah. but they didn't want to hear about us and our brewing tactics. They want to hear about the people are demanding. They're like knocking on my door saying, "We're ready for sermon two. We're ready for sermon two. <laughs> well, you got to tell them this is the dad cast. Oh, yeah, this is three different things you do. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what well, you take it away. You're doing so good. And uh, so the dad cast is weird spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And Tim and also has the Tim and the Lincoln show where he uh, entertains people with Lincoln. Yeah. And then you have a long form podcast where you interview people. Correct. It's usually about an hour or yeah, sometimes plus. two. Yeah. Could be whatever. Yeah. There's no time frame. It's when we're done, we're done. So usually when I get tired of sitting on these seats down here, <laughs> this is like a church pew down here. Yeah. There's no, this is it. This it's, is it. It's hard. Yeah. So. I'm squirming already. Yeah, you should be. Um, to all our new listeners, what's up? You may have heard the first episode, and you're, you know, the, the last episode we posted went kind of crazy, did numbers in my book. So, cool. um, you know, it got it's more than seven w- listens, which is <laughs> wild. So. It's more than a week out, so um, maybe it'll keep going. Yeah, could be crazy like that. So, yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll post this one and see how that goes. I think people are excited by how many people listen to the first one so mm-hmm. um yeah the second one you just preached on i know it's a day late but you preached on it on yes. sunday yesterday right? morning uh-huh. and um it's shorter than the first one yeah yeah it's a little shorter than the first one and you you did the same kind of process you did last time you took sh- you took sermon notes and you basically went line by line you wrote it all out gave everyone handouts and then went through this this is for those who haven't been following us, this is one of four sermons you're going to do. Yes. You have been, what'd you say, released is the word that you used? To do the first two. I, I'm not sure when they're going to have me do the next two, but they, they all work together. So They may never, after what you said. Yeah. That's past, but that's past. Pretty controversial. So, um, so, yeah, that's what we have for you. I don't know if we want to do too much. I might just play the tape like we did last week so you can hear the sermon. And this time we actually had questions. Mm-hmm. You were able to have someone have a mic, and then they answered the questions. Yeah. So th- the questions will be a little bit softer than my voice, but at least you, you can, can hear, hear them. And there, there is a little bit of a lull in between because somebody had to take the microphone to mm-hmm. the person that was asking the question. And some people didn't have—we didn't have as many questions as we did yeah. the, uh, the week before. Well, we had somebody speak before me, which gets a little long. Yeah, it so was a little—it's okay. It's, yeah, it it's, was what it was. Yeah. The— um. I have some questions afterwards, too, so we'll let you listen cool. to those questions, and then I'll ask you a couple questions that I thought of beforehand, which I've already kind of thrown your way, but, and then we'll wrap it up. So 
anything else you want to say? No, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what you're going to ask me, so okay. I never know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> enjoy the sermon, guys, and we'll catch you after the sermon is done. Just to let you know, what I'm about to teach is rejected by large portions of the church, the Western church, because it's too crazy and too supernatural. But I say respectfully, if you reject the supernatural events of Genesis 6, you may as well reject the mystery of the Trinity. You may as well reject the virgin birth or the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You may as well reject angelic visitations, miraculous healings, prophetic visions, and a talking donkey. To be a Christ follower, you have to accept the supernatural. I thank James today for uh, allowing me to, to teach because it's, uh, it's a little dangerous. So. Again, we give out uh, sermon notes so that you can focus on uh, not having to write, so. Okay. In Genesis 3, this is what we covered last week. In Genesis 3, the Nakash, not a snake, the Nakash was a super intelligent, luminescent, serpentine, angelic being, posed. He posed as the mouthpiece of God and lured Adam and Eve into rebellion. The Nakash was banished from Eden, and instead of becoming, instead of rising to become Lord of the Earth, that's what he was after, he was cursed to crawl in the dust of the Earth and to rule under it in the realm of the dead. Adam and Eve were also banished to remain outside the gates of Eden. Our relationship with God and our ability to see the supernatural realm became veiled. But God, in his abundant mercy, made provision for us to re-enter relationship with him. To add insult to the curse of the Nakash, God laid plans to bring salvation to us and reestablish our dominion of the earth through the lineage of Adam and through the Messiah, Jesus. Amazingly, God made these plans before the foundation of the earth because God plays chess on 3D, 4D, 12D dimensions, okay? Thus, one day, humans would in, again enjoy the beauty of Eden, the fulfillment of perfect purpose along with an uninhibited relationship with our Creator. And one day, we will even judge the celestial realm these promises that God held out to humanity infuriated the fallen realm. They devised a plan to pervert the gifts of God to Adam's line. They plotted to produce a hybrid race of their own in order to infiltrate every human bloodline. The children of the fallen, they would be half human and half celestial, they would be superior in every way to the weak and feckless offspring of Adam. The children of the fallen, the Nephilim, would occupy the earth under the rulership of their father, the Watchers. So let's read Genesis 6, 1 through, in fact, can somebody read that for me? I always like to get audience participation. Genesis 6, 1 through 8, anybody? Who's brave? Thanks, Rita. It, even if it's a different yeah. version, that's okay. okay. Oh, yeah, okay.
we're not going to get into NOAA, but this does have to do with what's going on. So, who are the Watchers? Watchers are celestial beings. They are mentioned in ancient literature and also in scripture. In Aramaic, the word is ear, one who is wakeful. It's like a sentinel angel, like a, a throne guardian. The term watcher is commonly used in Jewish literature from Daniel's time through the Second Temple era. So the Second Temple is when the temple was rebuilt, Nehemiah, Ezra, on up into Jesus' day. That's the Second Temple era. These celestials are part of God's divine council. They're staff, like staff members for God. They rule under God's ultimate authority, but he does choose to share authority with them. This term is used in Daniel 4 in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. Notice that the sentencing was determined by the watchers, not by God, and God let it stand. So let me read that to you. The sentence, but you know what? Let me tell you the background, the context. Nebuchadnezzar has been a really nasty world leader, and he's been, uh, the watchers have gotten, the, 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 right, the righteous being, the righteous angels, let's say, the watchers that are part of God's staff members, have made a decision that it's time to train Nebuchadnezzar. To, give, to teach him a lesson. And so they get together and they come up with an idea and God allows them to implement it. So that's what this is about. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men like our government, the lowliest of men. Let me recap this a little bit. There are ranks and structures to God's kingdom. His kingdom is ordered and righteous. Watchers seem to be highly ranked entities that act like staff members or cabinet members for the affairs of the kingdom. He allows them to participate in the decisions and legislation of his kingdom. And some of those members have launched a mutiny to seek to, to destroy us and usurp our dominion of the earth. Okay? All right, I need to quit saying okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of these watchers defected from the ranks of the righteous celestial beings. They lusted after women, they desired wives and children, and they attempted to usurp our dominion because of their supernatural advantage. This was achieved by creating a genetic mutant race by having sexual relations with women, the daughters of men. This event is known as the first incursion. And let me read a little bit uh, the next slide. Okay. This is from the book of Enoch. I'm not calling this scripture, but Enoch is... Um, Portions of Enoch appear in 2 Peter and Jude, and other New Testament writers actually allude to Enoch. So there's information in here, all right? So I'm not calling the scripture. But look at the first, uh, let's see. And it came to pass when the sons of men had increased that in those days there were born to them fair and beautiful daughters. And the angels, the sons of heaven, saw them and desired them and they said to one another come let us choose for ourselves wives from the children of men and let us beget for ourselves children and then uh, i won't go on any further but the book of enoch outlines or outlines uh what happened on mount hermon this what you call the first incursion where um fallen an um, entities came and I don't know how they did it, but genetically they produced uh, a race called the Nephilim. Okay, that's in the Bible. <laughs> All right, let's, let's continue. These marriages occurred possibly by force, but most likely in exchange for the advanced wisdom and technology held by the Watchers. These Watchers were not ugly monsters with wings. They were also created to reflect God's image before they fell. The way, and by the way, angels don't have wings, but we're not going to go there. 
<laughs> I have studied that out. Uh, envision a group of robust, handsome, brilliant, superior beings that come to negotiate, that's what I used to look like, uh, that come to negotiate with the fathers of the daughter. Why are you laughing, Hadassah? <laughs> Let me start over. En envision a group of robust, handsome, brilliant, superior beings that came to negotiate with the fathers of the daughters of men. These watchers offered advanced knowledge and technology unknown to humans. The deal required one thing, marriage. Both human fathers and human daughters were probably all too happy to oblige. These unions produced the hybrid breed called the Nephilim. There are arguments over the meaning of Nephilim. It could mean fallen one or tyrant or giant, but the result is the same. They were not natural. These are the giants, known in various ancient mythologies as the Apkalu, or the Anunnaki, or the Titans. The fallen watchers assumed that their amalgamated offspring would be human enough to inherit the earth and celestial enough to rule over and enslave the entire human population. But God dismantled their plans with the flood. There are multiple controversies over just what happened in Genesis 6. It would be too exhausting to rehearse all of them, but let's address some of the main arguments that oppose the hybrid view that I'm talking to you about. First, let me recap a few things. It's important to remember that, or to understand that when I say the first incursion, I'm talking about when these uh, fallen entities came to Mount Hermon, that's where they landed, and they made a plan to uh, basically have children with human wives. Uh, these fallen entities procreated with, uh, procreated with human women in order to produce an offspring that would have uh, taken over the dominion of the earth. Okay, that was kind of their, that was what they were after. So let me defend what I'm calling the hybrid view. The first incursion, the hybrid view of Genesis 6, was understood as supernatural by ancient Israel and the early church. And I don't have the, I have, a, I have a handout. If you really want to get one from me, I can get it to you later. But I have a three, page, a three pages of like 10, 15 different early church fathers and Jewish people that believed in the uh, hybrid view that I'm talking about. Um, they believe that this perversion between fallen angels and human women produced a hybrid race called the Nephilim. The Sethite view, however, was introduced in the 200s AD by Julius Africanus and later promoted by St. Augustine. This theory eliminated the supernatural aspect of that event, saying that the men of Seth's godly family married the women of Cain's ungodly family. These mixed marriages grieved God so much that he flooded the earth. This view leads to several problems. Okay. Were there only godly men in Seth's line? That's an assumption. Were there only evil women in Cain's line? That's an assumption. And by the way, why do women always get the blame, right? Uh, why wouldn't evil men and godly women produce the same outcome? If mixed marriages offended God so much, why doesn't he flood the earth right now? How does human-to-human -human intercourse beget a new species called the Nephilim? Okay, whether you're godly or ungodly, you have children. They're human. All right. 2 Peter 2 and Jude 5 through 7 both support the hybrid view over the Sethite view. They explain, let me read that to you. First Peter, or 2 Peter 2. For if God did not spare uh, sinning angels, but deliver them to chains of darkness, thrust down into Tartarus, having been kept to judgment, and then he goes on. By the way, when Peter, um, when Peter writes, his sentences are about you know, a half a page long, so it's hard, hard to make, I'm sure translators have a 
have troubles figuring out where to put punctuation. Uh, and then in Jude, and those angels not having kept their first place, but having deserted their dwelling place, he has kept in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So Jude, is, Jude and Peter are both taking from the book of Enoch. Uh, okay. These two passages explain that the fallen watchers, also known as the B'nai Elohim, we learned that word last week, the sons of God, were angelic beings, not men. They also outline that fallen watchers are currently incarcerated in Tartarus and that their sin was linked to a similar sexual deviance that occurred in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the men of that town? lusted after it's called strange flesh, they knew that those guys were angels and they wanted to have sex with them. Where's Sodom and Gomorrah? It's gone. So it wasn't just homosexuality that was going on there. There was something even worse. Yes, I said sexual, uh, homosexuality is sexual deviance. Yes, I said that. Okay. Since the fourth century, this is a recap, since the fourth century, the church has been trained to dismiss the supernatural elements of this event. Being ignorant of these things makes us vulnerable to deception now and especially in the end times. And the Sethite view fails to explain giants. I was just thinking about this during worship. Um, it's interesting that our scientific and intellectual elites are becoming more and more interested in supernatural things. It's not God, but it's supernatural. And the church is becoming less and less interested in supernatural things. More, we are becoming more and more rational. We defend our positions with rational doctrines and dogmas, and we kick everybody out that doesn't agree with us. So we're going the opposite direction of the cultural elites that are heading our culture into a quagmire of junk. Okay. <laughs> uh, get off my horse here. Pre-flood versus post-flood giants. By the way, giants, are, were, they were wiped out in the flood, but they reappear after the flood. So. The earth and human bloodlines have become so polluted that God stepped in and flooded the entire earth, a global reset. Only Noah, his family, and certain animals that God handpicked survived on the ark. And there are reasons why only certain animals were handpicked by God. Another bunny trail. The fallen watchers were imprisoned in Tartarus, or the abyss, and the Nephilim were drowned. However, the spirits of the Nephilim were allowed to roam the earth. Even now, they seek to influence or possess humans in order to advance their rebellion. I think, this is my personal opinion, that they are, in a sense, like spiritual trees of good and evil. If we enter entertain their influence, we can become vessels of their insurrection. It's our choice. These disembodied spirits are called demons or unclean spirits. In Levitical terms, they are unclean because they come from a forbidden mixture. And in the scripture I have here is, God is in, in his law, he says, you shall keep my statutes, you shall not cause your livestock to breed with different kinds. You shall not sow two kinds in your field. You shall not allow a garment mixed of linen and wool to come upon you. It was more than cattle and clothes that God was concerned with. It's this mixture of seed, okay? The Nephilim were a mixture of different kinds. They were celestial and human. This mixture became an irreversible curse upon the earth. And as extra-biblical accounts report, they were literally bloodthirsty, cannibalistic, tyrannical, and sexually perverse with humans and animals. The flood destroyed the hybrids of Genesis 6. But giants began to appear again after or around Abraham's time. Scholars entertain several theories about this. So here's some different ideas. Perhaps there was a second incursion that isn't recorded in scripture, or even multiple incursions. 
Some postulate that Ham's wife, here they're gonna throw a woman under the, under the bus again, Ham's wife carried genetic mutations from the Nephilim race into the post-flood world. Others hold to a survival theory that a remnant of Nephilim hid deep in subterraneous caverns that were not flooded, or hid on the ark, I don't know how they could have done that, or they built their own vessels to avoid drowning. Even though some of these theories sound strange, and I disagree with most of them, the people who argue them often have valid points. None of us were there, so it's futile debate to debate over. The outcome is the same, giants reappear. Okay, now I'm gonna give you what I think happened. I suspect that men summoned the fallen realm for demonic knowledge. That through worshiping the watchers in Tartarus and communing with demons, the Nephilim spirits, they received dark wisdom. This knowledge directed their witchcraft and their genetic breeding programs so that they were able to produce a new but smaller class of giants. So to recap, God flooded the earth. He imprisoned the fallen watchers and the Nephilim were drowned. But giants reappear, reappear again after the flood. And they may have been fostered by witchcraft and communion with dead spirits. By the way, um, why I'm so, why I'm trying to pick out what the difference is between Nephilim and Watchers is because we've, we've kind of been trained that there are good angels and there are demons. And, and that's a simplistic view that uh, the early church fathers and Jews would have known that Nephilim were a hybrid and when they were killed in the flood, their disembodied spirits became demons. So that's what a Jew or an early Christian would have said. When they say demon, they're saying this disembodied spirit that's roaming the earth. A fallen angel or a fallen watcher is a much higher ranked entity to deal with. And um, I would not go around looking to, to fight with demons or fallen watchers. But we have, but Jesus, the name of Jesus is powerful. So I'm not just saying we don't need to be afraid, but we don't go looking for fights. Uh, this is my favorite part. Jesus defeats the giants. Major biblical figures who eliminated giants from the land were Moses, Joshua, and David. These were all visual types of the coming Messiah. Remember that demons or unclean spirits are the disembodied spirits of Nephilim. So when Jesus, listen to this, when Jesus was casting out demons, he was defeating giants. This is especially evident when Jesus cast legion out of the demoniac in Mark 5 and Luke 8. They begged not to be sent to the abyss where their fathers, the fallen watchers, had been sent. And now I want to get into a little bit of geography here. Uh, yes, yes, there we go. For those listening, my son puts this on a podcast, but they won't be able to see these pictures. But um, up on the screen, we have Mount Hermon, where the first incursion happened. And then we have uh, down at the, at the bottom there, we have that... Uh, at that thing in Caesarea Philippi, that's what I'm gonna be, okay. I'll just read this and then we'll talk about it. I think it's paramount to remember the physical and spiritual geography of the region where the demoniac and several other events occurred in Jesus' ministry. That area of Mount Hermon, that's the area of Mount Hermon, it's where the fallen watchers arrived on earth and launched their hybridization plan. At the foot of the mountain are dark, cultic sites. One is where the goat demon Pan haunted the deep water abyss that dropped into the gates of hell. And we talked about that a couple months ago, where Jesus took his disciples and he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's pointing at this uh, Caesarea Philippi, that sacred cave where um, people worshiped Pan, a goat demon, and he's 
perverse. This goat demon was perverse. And they would throw um, um, offerings into, into this deep water abyss that it just went down forever. They tried, um, they tried to find how deep this water was. They, there's a temple built over this water, uh, this water area, and they just couldn't find the bottom of it. So Josephus talks about it uh, in uh, the Antiquities of the Jews. So, so that's, this is where Jesus, Jesus, in this area, Jesus kicked out the demoniac. He took his disciples and said, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against the church. Um, and there's other things that are going on there. Um, this other picture, uh, the next one, this is called the Wheel of the Giants. That's down at the foot of Mount Hermon either as well. I mean, the other is Gilgal Raphaim where the Wheel of the Giants is and a serpent mound covered with hundreds of dolmens lay. So the next picture, okay, it's, it's kind of faint. On the, on the bottom there is the Wheel of the Giants. That's where there's uh, a bunch of cultic worship that went on. Th these sites are ancient. And then above, you can barely see it, but that's a serpent, and it's in the shape of a serpent. And on top of it are all these um, dolmens. And a dolmen is, uh, is like a, a rock formation over a grave, and it's, uh, they believe that it would make a portal to other dimensions, that as they lay there in the grave, they could have a portal to other dimensions. So uh, some really weird stuff going on there. This is also... This area is where Isaiah foretold that a great light would sever the darkness over the region beyond the Jordan. Are you familiar with um, that famous passage in Isaiah that a, a great light has dawned and severed the darkness? It, he's talking about Jesus, and Jesus is fulfilling that when he goes to this region. Uh, it's also where Jesus radiated in his transfiguration. It's the Isaiah 24:21. you'll have to look that up. Isaiah 24:21 challenge to the fallen realm that he will reclaim what is his and punish all the kings of the earth below and the lords of the heaven, the heavens above. Let me, I'll just read that to you. In that day, I will punish, this is Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah. So the Messiah is speaking here. In that day, I will punish the entities above and the kings below. So when you see stuff in scripture that says, Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, he's king of all the kings of the earth. He's lord over all the, the uh, second, rev, uh, second heaven realm lords, uh, celestial beings. So he's king of kings and lord of lords. And as of right now, Mount Hermon is where the UN has its highest permanent base on earth. Isn't that interesting? Highest permanently manned base on earth, on top of Mount Hermon. What are they doing up there? Supposedly, the UN is watching over all of us to maintain peace. But I think there's something else going on up there. Okay. In conclusion, understanding the Watcher Rebellion explains several things. It explains the reason for the flood. It was to protect the purity and lineage of Messiah and our own human bloodlines. It explains the reason for the destruction of certain people groups during the conquest. That's a future sermon. It explains the encounters that Jesus has with the demonic realm that casting out Nephilim spirits literally means that Jesus is taking dominion over giants. It gives us wisdom for future events because the watchers are gonna be released again. It's, that's in Revelation 9. And those humans are, who will be deceived will worship them, the watchers, instead of Jesus. It explains why extraterrestrial events pepper our history and why our government in 2017 began the soft disclosure of documented alien activity. Again, they will be deceived to obey extraterrestrials who are actually fallen entities, not extraterrestrials. Extraterrestrials just means they're not from Earth. The fallen entities are not from Earth. 
This deception to worship fallen entities as our savior instead of Jesus has been foisted upon humans throughout history. If we are ignorant, we will lay down our biblical and spiritual authority. But if we are wise, we will walk through these events and not fall for the fake news generated by the fallen realm. Do not be discouraged, do not be deceived. Whether we live in peace or in tribulation, we belong to Jesus, and he does not abandon us even in death. Amen. Now, I know it's kind of late. Everybody wants to go eat, but I will, again, take questions, and Cindy's going to help. Last week, I, I uh, want to apologize to those who have hearing aids. I didn't. I was talking up here and you could hear me, but you couldn't hear the people asking questions. So Cindy is going to make sure, yes. So we'll try to do this quickly so you don't get too hungry. <laughs> yeah, this is controversial, yeah. What version oh, oh, just a second, let her get the. What version of the Bible are you using? I use several different versions all versions have strengths and weaknesses, but I always go back to Greek and Hebrew. I use Greek and Hebrew study tools. Um, I'm gonna be very brief about this, but the Septuagint, which is a Greek version of the Old Testament written 200 years before Jesus, has a much more supernatural view of the Old Testament. The Masoretic texts, which we get from which we get the King James and some of our other versions, the Masoretic text was written by, was co um, collated by a Jewish community that was tired of Christians using the Old Testament to prove Jesus. So the Masoretic text dumbed down some of the supernatural events in scripture. I'm not saying the King James is unreliable. It's a very good, it's, it's great if you can understand 400 year old language, but uh, it's not, Nothing is missing of the gospel, the important things, but there are things in, the, in NIV even and NAS and King James that uses the Masoretic texts which were written 900 years after Jesus by a Jewish community that was anti-Christian and anti-supernatural. They didn't mess it up too much, but so the Septuagint has some other inflections that you won't find in the Masoretic text. That's kind of a deep dive. Uh, I am not throwing our translations under the bus. I'm just saying you, these are things to be aware of, so. Rita. Oh, wait, Cindy's got, you're gonna get your exercise, Cindy. <laughs> Different location than Mount Hermon? Yes. Okay. CERN is very interesting. It sounds like they're trying to replicate what was going on. Yes. So, the, okay, I'm not a, I'm very simplistically minded on physics and all that stuff. I'm not a math guy and all that, but CERN is a, uh, a community of scientists. I think there might be 7,000 of them, but they, they have, um, I think it's under Switzerland, they have made a, a large tunnel. It's about a 17-mile tunnel, 300 feet under the ground, and they, they, it's an, they have a particle accelerator, and they're colliding particles. And they're, what they've been looking for is something called the God particle. Some people call it the God particle. And it's very complex. Um, I think there are a lot of good scientists there that are curious as to how colliding particles and accelerating them and what they, what they create, they're interested in that. But CERN has some very demonic stuff going on there. In front of their building, there's this dancing Shiva, not Jiva like my wife, but a dancing Shiva, which is a goddess of destruction, destroying the whole world and recreating it. Um, I saw a YouTube video where they, some um, 
I would call them warlocks, were gathered at night around. They brought a young girl out. She laid down, and then they took a knife in mock. They had a mock sacrifice. I don't think they really killed her. And they were doing that in front of this Shiva um, uh, statue. So what are our highly intelligent scientists doing? Are they trying to open another portal to another dimension? I don't know what they're doing, but like I said, the church is becoming rational and, and not believing the Bible, and our, our scientific and cultural elites are worshiping demons. It's, we're, we're like going opposite directions. It, it concerns me, but Jesus is our Lord. So he's more powerful than all that stupid stuff that they're doing. Well, you're getting my opinions, aren't you? Oh, yeah, boy. YouTube is going to cancel me. Uh, Dessa. Oh. I think I might already know the answer to this, but... Um, so the Nephilim, would that be where like a lot of Greek mythology and stuff like demigods comes from? Yes. Very good question. Um, all, oh, boy, I haven't studied all of our ancient mythologies from the Greeks and the Romans, and, but they seem to have these themes going on where there's, um, there are these gods that marry women or men and they have children and those children are demigods, or they have great power, but, there's, but they're not as strong as, as the, uh, the, the gods that met with the women or whatever, yeah. So it, it's all through, like I said, all these different cultures. Uh, they also, there's this, this line of thinking that there's um, a high god above those gods, and he's kind of mean, and he floods the earth. And the demigods and the lower gods help humans. Isn't it? Sounds a lot like Marvel, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like. Doesn't don't you think Hollywood has a uh, Hollywood has um, some fake news going on, making all the you know like we had a picture of Thor. You know he's the he's the great guy helping humans out. It's fake news. I mean it's entertaining. I'm not telling you not to watch Marvel movies or whatever, but it's fake news. There, there's this line of thinking to make these gods our saviors because there's this really mean god who's going to appear on a white horse and he's going to demand all of us be his slaves. But we know the, the reality is Jesus is going to come and completely wipe out these lesser gods and yeah, so, so, yeah, there's a fake news. It's been going on for thousands of years, so I hope that answers. Uh, Greg. This is more of a comment than a question. Okay. But in your talk about Nephilim, it says it required marriage. And it's just what popped in my mind is that they were just substituting the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, that's good. Because... You know, God has planned a marriage for his bride yes. and him, and they're trying to mix it up or counterfeit it. Yes, I agree. That's good. I wonder, uh, I know Hope teaches on the covenants. Of the, I don't know where, where did Hope go. She got, okay. So I wonder how she would, uh, that'd be interesting to see what she has to say about that. She's been teaching a class on the covenants. Is that right, Dessa? Yeah. Yeah, the, the fallen realm always copies or imitates God. Yeah. And you know what? You know how God, okay, this is a free one. I didn't study this out, but you know how God always speaks what he's going to do. He tells the prophets and the prophets tell, you know, there's a verse that talks about that he, he always, uh, I don't have it memorized, but he tells his prophets what he's going to do. Well, the fallen realm also uh, is always prophesying what they're going to do. That's why I'm saying Marvel and Hollywood and ancient myths are all prophesying what they intend to do and they glamorize themselves and make God the evil one. They introduce the idea before they implement it. 
Yes. It's people like a little bit conditioned to like, oh, like, and then they do it and it seems less evil or something. Yes, which is why I said that our government, our own government has now said, yeah, we, there's alien activity. We have, our government is saying that it's, you know, they send out uh, redacted, you know, they cross out certain things, but they're, they're admitting that they have been to alien crash sites and stuff like that. Well, what are the, what's, what are the, what are we being um, groomed for, right? Interesting, Mr. Kyle. Yeah, a lot more questions last week. Yeah, we had about almost thirty minutes of questions. I think they want to eat though. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yes, thank you. So uh, I want to read. Yeah, you can do it. Okay, we're back. All right. Nice. Great sermon. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank uh, you for being there. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to say after that that you've been thinking about since last week? I turned my brain off after that sermon. I just yeah. went and watched YouTube videos. and Or no, first we went to a basketball game for Jake and Nice. And just and chilled. Just. Yeah. Was it pretty exhausting? I actually was really tired. Yeah. I'm getting ready for Two weeks in a row. That's tough. How many hours did you say went into each sermon of studying and background? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing seventy. Okay. Fifty to seventy per I or total per. Oh wow. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't keep running track. But if you look at, I mean, a lot of his. Uh, so I'll, I've I got the main ideas like in March, we're talking a while back, and I'm like, I need three or four sermons. And then filling in the detail and going, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about in this paragraph or this one or this one. And then you keep going back and then you keep typing and then you read it and then you're like, I, uh, I need to fix this or I need. So it's it's not only researching, it's retyping, retyping, putting it together, putting it together. And, and even then, I realize a couple of people after the sermon said, I don't understand what you're talking about. They weren't being mean, but so there's stuff that I understand that I put in a paragraph that someone doesn't understand. Yeah. Because I don't want to go down a, a bunny trail on each paragraph. And so I make it concise, but in doing that, there are tons of things I don't explain. Mm -hmm. And I just, at some point you just have to kind of, you know, I don't know. One, one guy came over last week. He was going to be gone this weekend. So he, he said, do you have the notes for your next sermon? I won't be there. Can I get them? Yeah. So he came over to my house and got them, got the sermon notes. And he said, I've been looking at your sermon all week. So he's contemplating it. And that's what I want. To be able to think about yeah, it. Think about it. Stew on it. Again, you don't have to agree. But if you dig into the Bible, then I've, I've done my job, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, get you to start thinking about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are all really good questions that the audience asked. I, I didn't ask any questions. I couldn't think of any while it was in that moment. And I think you were right. People were hungry. People kind of ran late or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, started thinking about questions afterwards. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, I guess one of the questions I'll ask you real quick and then we can wrap up if that works. I'll ask you the questions yeah, I was thinking I'm, of. I'm we, good. Can, we can wrap up maybe then or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want. Um, Okay, so like we got another hour. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the Nephilim, it's almost like they are a cheap imitation of Christ. Mm -hmm. No way. A spiritual being slash human being. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think you had, we talked on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you had said, well, it wasn't. Uh, you know, was Jesus, an, did you ask me if Jesus was kind of like a Nephilim or right. something? And I think that's a good question. That That's not an offensive question uh, because he, here's the difference. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, He, which is doesn't make logical sense, but uh, he was fully God, fully man. He operated as both um and the Holy Spirit didn't have sex with Mary. Let's just, I mean, I, I just, let's just be blunt. So 
God, the creator, doesn't have to have sex, sex with somebody to create a, a, a being, right? So Jesus was created in Mary's womb without sex, but completely human, completely God, all at one, uh, one time. It's a mystery. And the language in the New Testament doesn't say, you know, the Holy Spirit had sex with me. I, I'm sorry I have to be so graphic, but it needs to be that clear. The Is nef- there people that believe? I think, well, the Mormons, I think, kind of have okay. that belief that... Okay. So there's a belief out there that maybe there was some type of... I don't want to cap on Mormons. They're, they're actually really good people, but yeah, it, I think they have some ideas that Jesus and Satan were actually brothers. That's one thing I've heard, and and that God had sex with Mary to create Jesus. So, no, that's not that's not scriptural. Um, but I see how they would come up with that. You know, um, The Nephilim, on the other hand, are fallen entities that had sex with women. Um, and they had sex with animals, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about yeah. that. We didn't go a deep dive on that, but uh, they were pretty promiscuous. So Nephilim are at least 50% human, 50% um, angelic beings. And the problem with the church is we've been taught that God and angels are spiritual and humans are just natural humans. And the, the, the problem is that the angelic realm is, um, I mean, they're spiritual in the sense that they're not from this world, but they are part of God's family. They are created. Um, and just the fact that the fallen watchers lusted after women <laughs> means they had, they had the man parts to do it, right? And they had the lust, and they also were envious of families. I mean that there's just stuff. There's something going on there that we, that a lot of the churches doesn't want to deal with that. So they're just they just make all angels like these spiritual things that little babies through. with wings on the like yeah. one scope, or yeah. then just like or there's spirits feathers. that just go through the walls and stuff like that. But there's we don't know the depth of what the angelic realm is. They're much, it's much more vast than we understand. And they were created by God, but they're much more intelligent than us, fallen and righteous. <laughs> yeah. And they don't just go around serving us like little slaves, you know, guardian angels. They guard us because they love us, the righteous ones. But um, but they don't do what we tell them. I mean, they're, they're part of God's created, uh, a different race of beings, if you want to put it. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but. There's, yeah. there's a lot more going on than we understand, and we've simplified it to our own stupidity, our mm-hmm. own detriment. Yeah. So anyway, Nephilim are 50-50, if that makes sense. 50-50, and it came about through a sexual relationship, yeah. whereas Jesus was 100% God, 100% human. Mm-hmm. Okay, good question. The other question I had was, like, the Antichrist, do you think the Antichrist is going to be, like, a Nephilim type yes, he is. situation? I suspect he will be another hybrid, super intelligent, Probably beautiful, um, uh, his wisdom will be much higher than ours because he's going to be a Nephilim, a hybrid, uh, there some you know, human and angelic. I, I almost don't want to say angelic because that's kind of the human wrong word, spiritual. but, but y- I just say that, it, yeah, he's human and and celestial, okay, outside of our. Uh, terrestrial domain, extraterrestrial. He'll be an extraterrestrial and human mix, if if we want to get real. Yeah. Yeah. When I say extraterrestrials, I don't mean aliens that live on other planets that come to visit us. I'm 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 saying the angelic realm is extraterrestrial. They weren't they weren't born here. Part of this world. They're outside of it. Yeah. But they do come here. They do have access to this world. So. Mm. Oh, you got is it? You have two dogs? Yeah, it's, we're dog sitting right now. Oh, you may hear it here in the background. Sorry, folks. Joe and Rose. Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- those were the two questions I had. I, you know, 
You said a lot of interesting stuff. I'll say if, um, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of you know, my dad, I guess you have to go through me. But that's right. He's the one who said the controversial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, the offer still stands if you want the PDFs of the show notes. Just shoot oh, me. I a have to get those to you somehow. Yeah, no one's yes. asked. No one's asked. Okay. But you can shoot me an email, timidspodcast at gmail.com, all one word. <coughs> and, um, oh, I need to go. Go for it. I was going to say, I kept getting asked during the sermon and afterwards. People are kind of confused on what translation of the Bible I use. And I just thought of that. And maybe I should kind of go into that again is, um, I'm not against translations. I think they all have strengths and weaknesses. I think I said that in the questions. Um, but they, they do fall short in certain, in certain ways. And uh, one guy was asking, he kept asking me, and I think that's good that he asked me, and I, I said, well, I don't have the NET, the New English Translation yet, but I have heard really good things about it where they... they try to incorporate um, the Septuagint and other things too and then they tell you why they picked what word they picked. They, uh, now I don't have an NET Bible but I would say wow that's really cool that they give you notes on why they why they pick a certain word for this verse you know whereas other translations don't really go they don't do a deep dive they just translate it for you and then you, you have no clue and that's why we have problems with certain, especially Old Testament passages that have dumbed down the supernatural realm and dumbed down the deity of Christ that's all through the Old Testament, especially in the Septuagint. And the Septuagint has some problems too, so I, I don't want people to think that that's the only version. But I, if you'll notice in the questions, I, I talked about that a little bit, the Septuagint versus the uh, Masoretic text. We've yeah. done a podcast on it too. Yeah. So you go back and check that out. So ESV is a good... NET. Um, I read NIV. It's very readable, but uh, NIV is has uh, it bypasses a lot of stuff that's important. And but but I kind of know that. So yeah. Um, so then when you're like, what does this mean? Then you kind of really start to dig into it. And yeah. That's when you go to the text. You have to go to the text, but you also have to realize. I mean, I've even talked to you about uh, even when you, if you're not looking for. You know, the whole thing where he talked about the Satan, the Satan, that the 27 times that it's used in the Old Testament, um, there's only one time where it might be used as a proper noun, and <laughs> which I keep alluding. Uh, but, uh, but even in the King James, NAS, and other versions, they drop the, pr- the, the article, the definite article, the, they drop it. It's it's in the Hebrew text right in front of you, and you can read it. It's Ha Satan, the Satan. But several, most translations drop the definite article and just capitalize Satan. Hmm. And that, to me, is is a manipulation. I they're trying to do they're trying to not be Satan controversial. Did this, yeah. did, not the Satan did this. Not the Satan. Did yeah, they just call it Satan, and they make it a proper name. Which has confused Christians. Hmm. So, and again, we we've been trained at a third grade level for so long that we actually don't know what the Bible says, hmm. and it it's frust- it frustrates me because I've been studying it for forty years, and it's only been the last couple of years that it started to become clear. And I'm like, what? Don't worry about the controversy. Be honest, you know. Because my, my faith hasn't degraded because of these things I'm finding. I'm like, no, the, the Bible is deeper than I understood because I want to I know what God said. I don't want somebody to think for me. I don't want a denomination to tell me what to think. Hmm. Uh, in fact, before I came over here, I, with your two younger brothers, we were talking, and uh, I said, I don't want you, I don't want a denomination to tell you how to think. I don't want you to think about the law. I want you to think about principles, the principles of the Bible. Um, I want you to hear God, hear, know his word, and understand principles because not everything is outlined in the Bible. Mm. 
But if you only think about laws, you, you, I don't know, you've heard this before, but yeah. You get fat, full of GMOs. That's what happens. (laughs) If you only operate on law, you'll, you'll be a good person. You'll obey the law, but you don't know why you're obeying law. You might be a good person or you might be Saul who's stoning Christians to death. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying yeah. just to push no, back that's a little good, bit, man. but that's good. He followed the law to the T. Well, to yeah, his he followed it as as long as it did what he wanted. Yeah, he was yeah. most like, vigorous after it. So yeah, yeah, I w- you know no, that's good. Got to watch yeah. out for the law. You're, laws. you're not pushing back. I'm agreeing. The law's not going to save you. Right. No. Yeah, dude, you're a radical man. You're a radical. Over you're here. a radical son. Is there? Um, we don't know when the next two sermons are going to be, so maybe in a couple months. But we wanted to get these out to you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, any last things you want to say? No, we, we can. You can ask me some questions. We can do a d- deep dive on some other stuff that yeah. even won't. Be we'll keep sermons. doing dad casts. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not as frequently as a week after a week, but yeah, we'll find times to do them and stuff. So we'll sprinkle them in. Keep enjoying them. If you guys have questions or whatnot, I guess again, ask Tim. And yeah, ask me, and then we'll get uh, coagulate. <laughs> Timmons. Oh, coalate the coalate all the questions. Yeah. Timmons, my agent. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's he's too busy reading the word. He doesn't have time for your questions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Oh, I I do want to say Kyle said this at the end uh, that we didn't snip into this sermon, but he just kind of reiterated that the uh, Book of Enoch. Oh yeah, is not scripture, and. Um, I thought that was good. Just and yeah. you said it during the sermon too. Yeah. But it's something to think about. Like these are supporting texts. They're not actual scripture. Unless you belong to the Ethiopian church, which puts them in the canon. Really? Which I find interesting. Oh, that's interesting. That's the only church I know of. But yeah. yeah and I'm not offended if you think Enoch is scripture, but I you know I it's it's fragmented and there's some really the first book of Enoch seems to be pretty interesting, pretty that's the only place I've taken quotes out of, but yeah. the uh, there are other books added on that seem like they're a little, yeah. they're a little fringy. I'm not sure. So that yeah, I wouldn't accept it as scripture, but we can maybe you know, do yeah. a cast about the book of Enoch. I don't know a ton about it, but yeah. we got time. But that's a good uh, that's a good point that you made there. Yeah, because people get upset when you add extra biblical stuff in, but the the Bible is full. All through the Old Testament, New Testament, there are quotes outside of, from stuff that's outside of the Bible. Right. You just don't know it because you're not versed in um, ancient literature. So I was reading Proverbs, and a whole section of the Proverbs is from the Pharaohs. Why saying from the Pharaohs? Oh, really? Yeah. So you have literal Phoenician, like not Phoenician, you have literal text from the Pharaohs that they just took, and you can find them dated even farther. But the like before Proverbs was written. Before Solomon's time, that area, but they're taking like all these wise sayings and putting, but hmm. part of it is like interesting, almost word for word translation from ancient pharaohs, you know, yeah. longer before. So, but of course, if they were spending 400 years with the Egyptians, they would learn their wise sayings, yeah, as well. So it just is like, yeah, yeah. yeah are the pharaohs scripture? I don't know. Yeah, maybe did God give them wisdom? Possibly. Hmm. All right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks so much, folks. Again, Podcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Timmons Podcast at Twitter. See you next time. Peace out, as Tim would say. Peace out.